Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, And there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. David is called the sweet psalmist of Israel. And he wrote many of the psalms that you find in the book of Psalms. And David was also known as a man after God's own heart. That was one of his greatest things. He lived for Yahweh and he pursued him with all his heart. But here in the beginning of 2 Samuel chapter 3, you see that David was not a perfect man. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 17 that when you become king of Israel, you are not supposed to multiply wives to yourselves. You're only supposed to have one wife. That is it. It was common practice back then. If you were a king to have lots of wives to prove that you were king and you're a man, well, Israel was supposed to be different. Well, David, at this point, he's not the king of Israel, but he's moving closer. Right now, he's in a long battle between between the house of David against the house of Saul. And remember, Saul had a son named Ishbosheth, and Ishbosheth is ruling northern Israel. And then there's David, who's ruling Judah, essentially. And who's going to win? Who, who's going to eventually become king of all Israel? Well, by the time you come to 2 Samuel chapter 3, it is obvious it is going to be David. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and later on in 2 Chronicles, it's obvious as to why, because the chronicler keeps writing, because the Lord was with David. The Lord was with David. The Lord was on his side. And what was true back then is true today. Any success that you have it comes from the fact that God is with you. Any great thing you accomplish isn't through your own talent and your own ability. It's because God is moving in your life, in your organization, wherever you're at. Praise God. He is doing something in your life and you need to honor him. And that's what David did so well. 
But what David didn't do so well, we see right here in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, because at the beginning of 2 Chronicles chapter 3, we see one of David's biggest sins, and that's, like I said, that he began to multiply wives to himself. He began to multiply wives to himself. Here, we hear about six wives that David has. And according to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, a man is only supposed to have one wife, one man, one woman for life. That's the biblical model. Well, it was often broken by men in the Bible. And David, being king, broke it all the time. Because right here, he's got six. And later on, he's going to get more, plus some concubines. Well, the names of his wives here are Ahinoam, Abigail, Makah, Haggith, Abitel, and his final and sixth wife is Egla. I think she's got the worst name. But from those six wives, he now has six children. And again, you'd think, wow, look. If he was going to curse David and say, hey, stop this sinful practice, wouldn't he not let him have kids? I don't know. I'm telling you, I think number one, having six wives would be a curse. And we're going to see later on in his story how many problems come to David through his own family. But it's interesting. Second Samuel chapter three also lists the children that came from these six wives. His first child was Amnon his oldest son, and he did something horrible to his half-sister. And it's so horrible, we'll hear about it later, but it was bad. And then later on, Amnon is murdered by his own half-brother. Chiliab, his second son, is the son of Abigail. And guess what? He's not really mentioned. It seems like he was barely mentioned at all because he was an ungodly, unworthy man. His third son, Absalom, who's the son of Makkah, well, guess what he did? He's the one who murdered Amnon. And then later on, he leads a civil war against his father, David. He leads a civil war trying to kill his own dad. This is not a great family so far. Amnon does something horrible to his half-sister, gets killed by his brother. Chiliab is a worthless man. Absalom then later leads a revolt and a civil war and tries to kill his own dad, and he's the one who killed Amnon. Then Adonijah, his fourth son, he tries to seize the throne as well. He tries to take it from Solomon later on. And 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 then he, he tries to marry and take off one of David's own concubines. And it was this huge, embarrassing mess. And then the final two, some weird names here, but Shephatiah and Ithrium. Again, we don't really know a lot about them, probably signifying they died young. Or maybe they're only mentioned once or twice because, again, they're ungodly and unworthy men. Six wives, six children, and they all bring such heartache to David. David did wrong here, and his family paid the price. But at the same time, the Bible says that God was with David, and David eventually begins to grow in stature. 
and he begins to become much bigger and more successful than the house of Saul. And eventually he is fighting a war as the king of Judah against the king of Israel, whose name is Ishbosheth. Now remember, they both had a commander of the army. David had a guy named Joab and his brothers, and Ishbosheth had a guy named Abner. Well, it seems like Abner, as the commander of the army for Ishbosheth, he may have gotten too big for his britches. Because it says that later on he tries to marry one of Saul's concubines. Now, this is hugely confusing and this is hugely wrong. Saul also had many wives, but if you had a wife, you also had what are called lesser wives. They weren't the main wife, they were secondary wives, and these were often called concubines. You weren't really married to them, but you'd go visit them, and then you might have a kid with them. And I mean, it was bad. Well, Saul had a lesser wife, a concubine named Rizpah. And, and basically, Abner, I don't know if he falls in love, he tries to make Rizpah his wife. Where did he? We don't know. We're not really certain. The passage isn't clear, but it seems like Ishbosheth is either catching Abner in the act of trying to marry Rizpah or trying to accuse Abner of something bad because he wants Abner gone. Because he's seen that Abner is getting a little too big for his britches. And if he's leading the army, man, the army might go with him. And Ishbosheth is getting scared. So I got to think of something bad about Abner. All right, I'm going to pretend he goes into my father's concubine, Rizpah, and make that up. Or maybe he did. Either way, Ishbosheth confronts Abner and says, Hey, did you go into Rizpah? Did, did did you try to make her your wife? And Abner, he is incensed. He is furious. He basically says to Ishbosheth, how dare you accuse me of that? That is not fair at all. And it makes him so mad and so furious that he says, I'm going to go over and help the house of David. I'm going to move over to him and help him fulfill the prophecies that Samuel said about him. I should have been there years ago is essentially what Abner says. And he leaves Eshbosheth. The commander of the army just walks out. Now, either this plan by Eshbosheth totally backfires or Abner is caught in the act and he's like, I'm out of here, Eshbosheth. If I can't strut my stuff around, I'm going to strut it around someplace else. So he literally leaves Ishbosheth and heads over to David. And he comes into David, and essentially here, when Abner comes to David, he says, Hey, I want to make a covenant with you that my hand will be with you to bring over all Israel to you. Please let me make a covenant with you. David thinks about it. Now, the thing is, David is a smart man. He is bad in the sense of multiplying all these wives. But remember, the Lord is with him and I think gives him some wisdom here. David is really good at a lot of things. One of the things he's good at is making military alliances. And he's thinking, how can I make this military alliance work? Oh, yes. And I'll get a seventh wife. He says, you know what? 
You cannot see my face. You you can't basically talk to me till I get Michael, Saul's daughter, back as my wife. When you give me back Michael as proof that you're telling the truth, Abner, that you actually want to come over and join me, then you can. So now if you remember way back, Michael fell in love with David. Michael even saved David. She made the bed look like there was somebody sleeping in it and totally tricked the guards. And and Michael loved David. And David, man, he did a lot of work to get Michael. Remember, he had to come up with 200 Philistine foreskins to pay as a bridal price for Michael. Whew, that was a lot of work. And Michael and David loved each other and were married for a short time till David fell out of favor with Saul. And then Michael was given in marriage to another man. And so David and Michael had been separated for all these years. And I don't know if David loved Michael still. I mean, seriously, he's got six wives. Why do you need to add a seventh? I think this is all a big ploy just to get proof that Abner is truly on his side. So Abner says, all right, I'll bring Michael with me. So Abner grabs Michael and brings her all the way back to David. And there's a little sad story here because the husband who had been married to Michael, he loves her. I mean, they'd been married for probably 15 plus years now. This is a long time, 10 years plus, something like that. And it says that the husband walked along weeping, pleading with Abner, please give me back my wife, please, weeping and crying. And then finally, when they get there and he's about to hand Michael over, Abner turns to him and goes, go, return. I mean, that's all he says. Go, return. And the weeping men, go, return. <sighs> all right. It says he returns. I mean, that's it. Ten plus years of marriage over. Michael is reunited with David. A, a romantic story for the ages? Probably not. I think what David's doing here is he's cementing his relationship with the house of Saul. Now remember, Saul is a Benjaminite of the house and tribe of Benjamin, but he's also got all these other tribes that are in the northern part of Israel with him. And now David has Abner on his side, who was the commander of the army, and all his army loved Abner. So he's getting those men and the tribes they were with. And now he's got Michael the daughter of Saul and the tribe of Benjamin loved Saul and they probably loved Michael for being the daughter of Saul. And, and then he's probably getting all the other tribes that are connected with those people. He is working the political magic here. And so Abner gives Michael back to David. He's now got seven wives and he meets him here in David's capital, which if you remember is Hebron. It's in southern Israel, and, and this is his capital, and that's where Abner and David meet. 
And so, they discuss. They talk. You're leaving Ishbosheth. You're coming to me. Let's make a feast. And so they ate some great lamb and some great pork. And nope, nope, that's uh, that's not kosher. They would eat some great lamb and some other great kosher food, you know. And they ate and they celebrated at this feast and they agreed. And, and Abner says, I will go and I'll gather the rest of Israel to my Lord, the king, to you, David. And we're going to make a covenant with you so that you may reign over all that your heart desires. David sends Abner away. Woohoo! He's going to get the rest of the tribes. They're going to come back. I'm going to be king of Israel. And Ishbosheth, he's going to be out of here. Well, as Abner leaves... In enters Joab. Now, if you remember, Joab, he's the commander of David's army. Abner was the commander of Ishbosheth's army. Joab is his opposite. He's the commander of David's army. And it says he just basically came back from a raid. And he's bringing a lot of spoil, a lot of booty, right? A lot of jewelry, clothes, all the stuff. He's bringing it back. To his king, everything's great. But then he hears that Abner was just here. <gasps> Not Abner. Oh, he hates Abner. Now, Joab hates Abner. Why? Well, he hates Abner because Abner killed his brother Abner. Asahel. Do you remember that from last week? Abner was running away and he tried to push him back by taking his spear and thrusting it behind his back, remember? But instead he thrust it so hard it went through the stomach of Asahel and out the back. He didn't mean to kill Asahel, but he did. And Joab and his brother Abishai remember this. And so when they hear that David was with Abner, number one, he's worried about losing his job. Maybe Abner's a better commander. Joab doesn't want to lose his job. But number two, that's his brother. That's the murderer of his brother. So David tells him the good news. Abner's going to go bring all Israel back. And Joab's like, yay! And then as David leaves the room... Joab's like, hey, hey, go get Abner and bring him here. I, I want to talk to him. So they hop on their donkeys, their horses, and they get Abner right where he was basically at a well where he was maybe watering his horses. It's this cistern with where they have lots of water. Maybe it was an old thing. It was this known spot called Syrah. Not Siri, but Syrah. And they grab Abner there and, and they bring him back. Now, Abner's coming back and, and he's thinking, well, Joab wants to talk to me. And maybe they're, hey, Joab. And Abner's like, hey, hey, it's good to see you. Maybe Abner's like, hey, Joab. And Job's like, hey, good to see you. And maybe they hug. And Abner's a little nervous because he's thinking, I know, Joab. Probably want revenge, and Joab's like, I want revenge. 
because it says they're talking to each other and then Drub says, hey, hey, can, can I talk to you a little bit? And so it says that he takes him to the gates of the city. Now, some people believe he, he took him just outside the gates of the city. Some translations say the midst of the city. So we're not certain. Maybe he was still in the city. But he was definitely by the gates of the city. And I think he probably did take him just outside the gates. And as Joab is talking to Abner, Joab pulls out a knife and foo, 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 stabs him in the stomach. <laughs> And Abner falls down dead. And it says that Joab and his brother Abishai was there. It says they killed Abner to revenge the blood of their brother. Now the reason it's important that he took him just outside the gates is because Hebron or Hebron was a city of refuge. If you did something you didn't mean to do, Clearly, in Abner's case, he didn't mean to kill Asahel. If a family member can grab you and kill you before you get to a city of refuge, that person is not guilty of murder. He's basically revenging his family's honor. But if you get to these cities of refuge, you're safe. Then those people can't kill you. Well, Hebron, Hebron was a city of refuge, and Joab basically got... Abner to come just outside the gate so he's no longer in the city of refuge and go kills him. But Joab he broke another rule. You weren't really allowed to kill somebody who didn't mean to kill the person that you're trying to revenge for the killing. It wasn't fair. Abner didn't mean to kill Asahel. Joab had no right to kill him according to the law. Well, when David finds out, he is furious. He is mad. Abner was going to bring all these people, and it says that David begins to mourn and he weeps. He literally weeps over Abner, which I don't get. David barely knew Abner. He had a feast with him. David had a love for Saul. And Abner was part of Saul's relations. And he was part of that whole household. But why did he weep to the point where he writes a little psalm, a little poem for Abner? And he laments and he cries. I think, remember I said earlier that David was a master politician? That David was really good at international relations or political alliances? And I think this is all, oh no, it's so bad what Joab did. And he weeps and cries for what Joab did. Oh, and he cries because he wants to send a message to the rest of northern Israel that I did not kill Abner. It was Joab. I loved Abner. I did not want to see Abner killed. Joab killed him. Joab killed him. Not me. Because it says in verse 37, when all 
of northern Israel understood that it had not been the king's will to put to death Abner, the son of Ner, guess what? They became friendly to David. And they became angry at Joab, but they became friendly to David. David didn't lose the possibility of this alliance. And all of Israel understood, all right, we're sad to see Abner die. But clearly through this lamenting and crying, David did not want to kill Abner. It was Joab, so the possibility for alliance is still there. Things are still looking good, but we have Ishbosheth, the king of Israel. He just lost Abner, the commander of his army, and he was probably going to lose him anyway. All of Israel was going to go over, but hey, that stopped, and now Ishbosheth is there. What's going to happen to him? Well, Ishbosheth, he doesn't strike me as a smart man. And he sort of strikes me as a man who I, I think he might have been a little lazy or just clueless. Because Abner sort of protected Ishbosheth. Abner was the real power behind the throne, making all the decisions. Ishbosheth was sort of like, duh, what? What are we doing now? I know where we're going. You, you tell me. You tell me what to do. You, you, you good, you know. And when Abner left, and when Ishbosheth did try something and accusing Abner, it backfired. Well, the next time we find Ishbosheth, he's taking a nap. I mean, it's a hot day, right? And you're supposed to take a noon siesta, though they don't call them siestas in Israel. He is snoozing away. He's probably on his bed. I mean, he, he should be out gathering, talking to the chiefs of the other northern tribes of Israel, trying to keep them on his side. He should probably have a bodyguard around him because he's lost Abner. But instead, we just find him sleeping. And he's just snoozing away because of the heat of the day. And in snake, two men. Rechab and Banna, they sneak in. And they come to the house of Ishbosheth. And they sneak into the room. And they see that there is Ishbosheth sleeping away. And they think, we've come here for a reason. And our reason is to get in on the good side of David. And if we kill Ishbosheth, we'll be in good with David. And so they find him sleeping. And they sneak up to the bed. And one grabs his arms and... They stab him in the stomach as well. I mean, man, it's the favorite way to kill everybody in this book, right? Asahel gets stabbed in the stomach. Abner gets stabbed in the stomach. And now Ishbosheth, boo, 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 you know, stabbed in the stomach. And then, whack, they chop off his head. Why? 
Well, they're not going to drag Ishbosheth's body all the way to David to show him they killed Ishbosheth. Instead, whack, let's chop off the head and carry that all the way back to David. And so they chop off his head and they get out of town. Rahab and Banna, and they head to David. And they bring the head of Ishbosheth to David and they say, Look! We have killed him, your enemy who sought your life. Yay! Woohoo! This is gonna be great! Or is it? What happened when that guy brought the crown of Saul and he said he killed Saul? And he brought it to David at Ziklag? David had him killed because he said, You don't touch God's anointed. And you'd think that story would have gotten around to Rahab and Banna. But it didn't. Or maybe they're just pretty dumb. Because when they bring the head of Saul to David, he says, What? David responds by literally reminding him, Hey, when somebody brought me good news about Saul's death, I killed him because he touched God's anointed. And why would this be any different? You killed somebody you weren't allowed to kill. God put him into that position. God will take care of him is what he's saying. Why would you do something you had no right to do? So David commands his men and they grab Rachah and Bara and they take him out and they kill him. Probably in the stomach as well. But here, they cut off their hands, and they cut off their feet, and then they hang them by the pool at Hebron. They want everybody walking around, walking by, to see these two hanging men, so they know. If you mess with stuff you're not supposed to mess with, if you go outside your rights, and if you try to do something that God should do, this is how you're going to end up. And then it says he takes the head of Ishbosheth and buries it in Abner's tomb. Because remember, Abner and Ishbosheth, they're all related and they're all part of Saul's family and they're all part of the tribe of Benjamin. Here again, David makes a right choice, but man, this is a bloody mess. And then with all these kids that are later on going to cause trouble, and David's got seven wives now, and, and, and we've got murder and murder and more murder. I mean, this battle between David and the house of Saul, it's getting ugly. But then, the tribes of Israel, they come to David at Hebron, and they say, David... We've heard about these prophecies through Samuel. We've heard that the Lord said to you that you shall be the shepherd of my people Israel and you shall be prince. We've heard all these things and so we want to be your followers. We want to be your subjects. And I can imagine all the chiefs of the various clans of the tribes of Israel, they all surround David and they bow and they anoint him with oil again. And here, David is finally 
king over all of Israel. Woo-hoo-hoo! It says that David becomes king over all of Israel at the age of 30. 30 years when he began to reign, and he reigned for seven and a half years in the city of Hebron, and then he reigns for the next 33 years from Jerusalem. He reigns for 40 years as king, and it begins at the age of 30. But you know what? It began many years earlier when Samuel anointed David. You're going to be king. He anointed him and said, you're going to be king, David, at the age of 15. And then it took him 15 years of running and fighting and and learning a lot from the Lord and the Lord working in his life. 15 years later, finally, at the age of 30, David is king. David then moves his capital from Hebron to this town a little bit away called Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was sort of on this rocky outcrop, sort of on a mountain, and now everybody's heard of Jerusalem. I mean, it's the center of the world to a certain extent. All these other tribes and nations counted as their holy place. Well, when David was there, the Jews didn't own Jerusalem. Even though it was right in the middle of their land given to them by God, it was controlled by this group called the Jebusites. And these were pagan Canaanites. And and Joshua and his men were supposed to move them out. Were supposed to wipe them out. Get them out of there. And they were supposed to take Jerusalem. But because Jerusalem is up and in this rocky outcrop, it is hard to get. When it's, it's basically at the top of a mountain, and it is hard to get up there and to take it. And they tried, and they tried, and they finally came to a point, the men of Israel, where they gave up, and they just said, hey, all right, Jebusites, if you give us some money, we'll let you live there. Well, the Jebusites, a Canaanite tribe, owned Jerusalem, and Jerusalem, because of that, would have been the perfect place. Because it wasn't really owned by a tribe. He wouldn't have to kick out any of his own people. And it's a great place to defend himself from. And so they come to Jerusalem and they siege this city. And David says, whoever can work out a way to get up into Jerusalem and to kick out the Jebusites, I will make commander of my army over all of Israel. Well, you know who finds a way? Joab. Now remember, Joab killed Abner, and you wonder why David didn't kill Joab then? Well, it's because David needed Joab. Another fatal mistake of David. He wasn't consistent, but he knew Joab was a good commander of the army, and he didn't want to lose him. Well, Joab, it says that he finds this this tunnel through the water gate. Basically, the, the way the water came from the surrounding mountains into Jerusalem was through this tunnel. And Joab found a way to take some men into that tunnel and burst into the city of Jerusalem. And it doesn't really give what happened or say what happened. All we know is that Joab led an army and he came in probably through this water tunnel and he took Jerusalem and David begins to build Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is his capital. And Jerusalem 
The Bible calls it his stronghold, and it became, in many ways, they called it the city of David back then because David took the stronghold of Jerusalem and reigned there for 33 years. Things are going well for David. So well that the king of Tyre, a foreign nation, sends him gifts, beautiful wood and carpenters and masons and cedar trees to help build the city of Jerusalem, the houses to have people live there, and maybe his own palace. Man, he has a huge kingdom, and it says he took more. This is where he failed again. He took more concubines and more wives from Jerusalem. And more sons and daughters were born to him there in Jerusalem. And the writer of 2 Samuel even names a lot of them. Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphalet. Sort of sounds like elephant, but no. Eliphalet. Yay, great to have kids, but he's bringing concubines and multiplying wives and he shouldn't be doing this. But yet he is a man after God's own heart and he did what was right. And the Lord is blessing him despite himself. But at the height of his greatness, when everything is going great, he's just been anointed king over Israel. Guess who shows up. One of the biggest thorns in his flesh. One of the biggest problems he always has to deal with. And you know who they are? Well, if you come back next week, we'll find out who this first troublesome foe is now that he's king over Israel and has his new capital called Jerusalem. But I want to say, man, the story of David shows the beauty of following the Lord, but also the depravity of following yourself. Joab ruins a potentially great situation by killing Abner out of his own selfish desire to avenge his brother's death. But God works a miracle to bring the people of Israel to David anyway. David... He follows God and is a man after God's own heart and wants to do right, but... Man, he's got a lustful eye, and he likes a beautiful woman, and he has wife after wife after wife after wife, clearly breaking the commandment of the Lord, but God uses him anyway. All I want to say is the Bible is full of flawed people, but God uses flawed people, and God can use you no matter what mistakes you made, no matter how far or hard you've fallen flat on your face. If you're willing to follow the Lord, if you're willing to, to give your heart to Him, He can pick you up, and He can use you, and you can be the next King David. Thank you for listening to Bald Head Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. 
new episodes added every week. Thank you.